Well, I would like to give you all a very warm welcome to Stevenson High Kirk here in North Ayrshire for our summer series of morning devotions. Well, this morning we're delighted that Reverend Alan Ford will be continuing to lead us in our sermon series on 1 Samuel. Well, I pray that you will find in these moments the loveliness of Christ and the sweetness of God's presence drawing near. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let us bless the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Well, let's worship the Lord together in our opening hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy.
God, we ask you to bless the church in this place. Here may the weary find rest, and the strong be renewed. Here may the doubting find faith, and the content be awakened. Here may the tempted find help and the sorrowful find comfort. Here may the believer be encouraged and the lost find salvation. Forgive our sins and cleanse our hearts. Inhabit our praises as we worship and speak to us through your word. All in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's nice to be back with you again. We go back to continuing our series in First Samuel. And our reading today is a wee bit long. And I'm going to abbreviate it. So you might not be able to follow it in your Bibles as closely as you would usually do. But it's from 1 Samuel 5 and 6. So yes, it could be a very long reading, but we will nevertheless abbreviate it and get the main points of it uh, in our studies in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 5. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. The Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod in its vicinity. He brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumours. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The Ark of God of Israel must not stay here with us, because his hand is heavy on us and on Dagon our God. So they moved the Ark of God uh, of Israel to Gath, but after they'd moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city, throwing it into a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumours. And so they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. And as the Ark of God was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, they have brought the Ark of God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and send the Ark of God back to Israel. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand 
was very heavy on it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumours and outcry of the city went up to heaven. And when the ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory for seven months, the Philistines called for the priests, the diviners, and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it back to its place. They answered, If you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it away empty, but rather, by all means, send a guilt offering with it. And so they arrange for two cows to be attached to a new uh, cart and to put the ark onto the, the cart. And they said, well, if it keeps in our land, then what's happened is just chance. But if it heads for Israel, then we'll know that it's the hand of God that has been upon us so heavily. And so they kept watching it as it got its own territory towards Beth Shemesh. And that's exactly what happens. It goes to Israel, to a place that these cows had never been before. Keeping on the road, lowing all the way, they didn't turn to right or left. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. And the people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting their wheat in the valley. And when they looked up and saw the ark, they rejoiced at the sight. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh, and there it stopped beside a large rock. And the people took the wood of the cart and broke it up, and sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. But God struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the men of Beth Shemesh asked, Who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? Then they sent messengers to the people of Kiriath Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to your place. Amen. We return this morning to our studies in First Samuel that we began way back uh, last summer. Remember the story has reached the point where Eli and his sons Phineas and Hophni have all died on the same day. Phineas's wife has given birth to a boy whom she named Ichabod meaning the glory has departed from Israel. The greatest tragedy for the Hebrew people was found in those words. The glory has departed from Israel. For the Ark of the Covenant, which was central to the life and worship of the Hebrew people who had been captured by the Philistines. The Hebrews themselves 
had to take responsibility for that, for they had waged a war on their own strength. They tried to use the Ark of the Covenant as, for want of a better phrase, a good luck charm. I've said on a previous occasion that the Ark of the Covenant was like the flag, the Queen, the Courts of Justice, the Crown Jewels, the Honours of Scotland and every church in the land in Britain, all wrapped together. The Ark of the Covenant and what it contained was in many ways what made them Hebrews. Above all, however, they believe that in some sense, when the Ark of the Covenant was with them, then God was in their midst. And with the Ark gone into the hands of the Philistines, they'd lost everything that was dear to them. If one could imagine the greatest national tragedy that could possibly befall them as a nation, this was it. That's what had happened. Now one imagines that on the other side, the Philistines, uh, they'd be rejoicing. Uh, they'd be delighted to be holding celebrations and victory marches and all sorts of things rolled into one. And one can imagine it being the greatest cause for celebration that the Philistines had ever had for they achieved what no other people had ever achieved. They had beaten the Hebrews, captured the famous Ark of the Covenant that set apart the Jewish people from all other nations. And they took the Ark of the Covenant back to Ashdod, one of the five city strongholds, and they took it in triumph. Decided to put the Ark in their own temple to their own god called Dagon. And this god was a, a statue which was half fish and half man. I suppose what we might call a merman. And was just another fertility god in the ancient world. And since the Philistines held the land on the coast, it was natural enough that they should make a god in the image of sea fertility, as they saw it. They put the ark, the symbol of the Jewish god, next to the stone idol of Dagon. The next morning, the god was in pieces on the floor of the temple. Then people began to get sick. They began to have tumours, growths on their bodies. They realised the connection between their possession of the ark and what was happening to them. And so on the advice of their leaders, they moved the ark to Gath. Same thing happened. And they then wanted to move it to Ekron and the people of Ekron understandably refused to have it and demanded that it be sent back to Israel. Where it brought, where it brought any more calamities on them all. Imagine a full-blown terrorist alert in the middle of London. And you will have some idea of how the people felt about possession of the Ark. It was as if there was a bomb amongst them. They want it gone, and they want it gone as fast as possible. And after seven months of all these problems, they got their religious leaders together, and those religious leaders had enough sense to tell them that the Ark had to go back where it came from. 
They also are scared enough to realise that they're out of their depth. And so they recommend that the ark be returned along with a guilt offering. They recognise that in taking the ark, even though God allowed it, they were guilty of sin. They recommend that gold models of the tumours and also the rats which reflected them should be sent as, a, as an offering. What had been a trophy of war has in seven months become an object of worship that has turned them towards worshipping, albeit reluctantly, towards God, the one true God. And the Lord they are on an ox cart along with offerings and then they'll set it loose and wait to see which way it will go of its own accord. There's a little bit of them hoping that the plague they've experienced is just chance. They might, as people today, today might say, ah, these things happen. We can't say God had a hand in it. These things happen. And they said, if it goes to its own territory, towards Beth Shemesh, the Lord has brought this disaster on us. But if it doesn't, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck, and it happened to us by chance. Of course, the cows head straight for Beth Shemesh, and the Philistines know that indeed they have been meddling with forces larger than themselves. Another side, however, at Beth Shemesh, there's rejoicing. Uh, suddenly, the ark on board a, a cart comes unaccompanied to them. They chop up the cart and make a, an altar out of a large rock and sacrifice the two cows as a burnt offering. I almost feel that's a bit odd, you know, killing the messenger uh, in some ways, but that's what they did. And you might think that's the end of it. All is well, it ends well, and the ark is back where it belongs. That's not the case. <clears throat> Some of the men of Beth Shemesh looked into the ark, and 70 of them died because they looked into the ark. They treated the ark of God as theirs when it could never belong to them, but was a symbol of them belonging to God. People of Beth Shemesh were only marginally better off than the people of the Philistines, so they treat the ark with a new reverence. And they say, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? And they sent to the people of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it to your place. They want rid of it as fast as possible as well. And Kiriath-Jerim, incidentally, is probably the modern town of Abu Ghosh. In Jesus' day, it was known as Emmaus. Now all this seems very remote from the days in which we live, but perhaps it's not as remote as at first sight it may seem to be. 
Perhaps we see more of the attitudes of both the Philistines and the people of Beth Shemesh than we realise. The Jews had taken the ark into battle as a good luck charm, which you thought would make them invincible. They had sought to use God for their own ends. They had taken the symbol of God's presence and sought to use it. We don't have to. We don't have an Ark of the Covenant today. I wonder if you, like me, find yourself squirming when you see someone with a cross round their neck, a symbol of our faith, who is living a life far removed from God. We've seen adverts referring to crosses as symbols of good luck. And over the last few years, there have been a tendency for some pop stars to wear large crosses, even though it's clear that they have no personal faith or relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In many ways, they are emulating the Jews who sought to use God without reverence or worship in their hearts. They take God too lightly. The Philistines in our hand found after initial rejoicing that those who break the first commandment of having other gods before the one true God can expect to feel the judgment of God. They found out the hard way what the psalmist wrote in later years. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Philistines learned the hard way that while they could manipulate their god Dagon, which was no more than a lump of stone, they could not do that when it came to the one true God. They thought they'd take possession of God. In fact, God had taken possession of them. For within just a few months, they are making offerings to God. And those offerings are emblems of their suffering. The Philistines treat the Ark of God with more respect than the Jews who had taken the Ark into battle. In some ways the Philistines actually come out best in this, in that they worship and fear of the Lord as a genuine thing, and they never at any time treat the Ark of God with contempt. <clears throat> the men of Beth Shemesh get it right to the extent that they make it the right religious gestures and have a burnt offering. But we have to see this as an outward show of religion, lacking in reverence for the look into the ark, and in so doing break the law of God, and treat God's ark without reverence. And by implication, treat God without reverence either. There are many people, perhaps a smaller Proportion and in previous generations who lay great store by religion, the doing of religious things, the keeping of religious observances, but who still lack reverence towards God. They have a religion which is unconnected with a personal faith. The religious routine is comfortable, but the worship does not come from the heart. The Jews took the ark into battle, thought they could use God. The Philistines learned that God must be given his rightful place and cannot be taken lightly. 
The Jews of Beth Shemesh sought over-familiarity with God. And while they did the right religious observance, they did so without awe and reverence. The importance of Gengine worship based on our relationship with God. Marked with reverence as well as love and grace. Could never have been reduced to good look symbols. False worship or anything which seeks to place us in control when it is the Lord who is always in control. I feel there are many in our generation who have respect for the institution of the church and look to the church in times of trouble but who neither have a personal relationship with Jesus or a reverence for God and his word. In fact, there are not a few of those sadly occupying pulpits across our land, keeping the religious formula and the known places of influence within the church and within the nation. And sadly, they will come perhaps sooner than they realise. They will discover that the Philistines and the men of Beth Shemesh discovered it's indeed a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God with reverence in our hearts. Let us approach the throne of grace. But perhaps as we do so, it would be good to remind ourselves of the words of an old hymn. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bow down before him. His glory proclaim, gold of obedience, incense of lowliness, bring and adore him. The Lord is his name. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we come before you asking that you forgive us if we've kept to outward rituals without a deep heart, faith and trust in you. Lord, grant indeed that our lives may show the gold of obedience to you and the incense of lowliness and humility before the living God. Lord, we come and adore you. The Lord is your name. And we crown you, Lord, of our lives afresh. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever. Amen.
God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.